Hey everybody, welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher, and we are here to talk to you about season 12 of, I'm sorry, <laughs> getting ahead of myself, <laughs> episode 12 of season one, um, I wish we had gone that far, of Melrose Place, um, the infamous first season that they somehow managed to get all the way through before somebody realized it needed to be a better show. Uh, How did the show not get canceled? That is legitimately what I ask myself every single week. I have to think that um, what's-his-face Aaron Spelling is just that powerful. I guess. I mean, this is just bad. Although and like, it, it was created by Darren Starr, so I'm not sure about his relationship to the show, but anyway. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, this week's episode was a real doozy. Oh, yeah. um, and not in a good way. Like, I don't love sometimes when shows have just crazy twists and turns for the sake of having crazy twists and turns, but somehow this is the exact opposite. One of the subplots this week is literally someone finding out that their credit score is bad. Yeah, I've said before that I feel like partially the purpose of this show is to give little life lessons to... um, Beverly Hills 90210 viewers and maybe get them excited about becoming an adult. And I think this just veered a little too far into instructional territory. Yeah, this one, now you mentioned it, this episode has big after school special vibes yeah. um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, it, we have somebody flirting with an eating disorder. We have, you know, don't have sex with a guy and fuck up your career chances before you realize that he's married. And we have, <laughs> hey, card. pay your student loans because you're the reason that the economy is tanking. Like that, I that whole storyline yeah. goes in some really weird directions. Super weird. Um, let me <laughs> zoom in on my um, on my spreadsheet a little bigger so I can read it a little better. There we go. All right. Shall we dive in? Let's dive. All right. And we, of course, uh, it's been a couple of weeks, so we do have a lot of COVID catch em ups, but we can do a lot of that after we talk about the show, because I know a lot of people definitely listen for the exciting Melrose Place content <laughs> and don't want to hear us talk about our exciting lives, right? So <laughs> um, this exciting episode... Um, opens with a fitness themed photo shoot at Dungeons and Dragons advertising where Allison works. And this has got to be the saddest photo shoot I've ever seen in my entire life. They've got like a square of Heather gray fabric, probably on the wall with thumbtacks or something. It's barely big enough to act as a backdrop for the poor models who are wearing really boring workout gear and um, Lucy, you know, gives a little direction to the sad-looking camera operator, like, make sure to shoot from below because it's really important to get the treads of the shoes in the photo. And I think that's probably the only concept. Yes, in the that's shoot. exactly what everybody wants to see. Yeah, <laughs> like gorgeous. Um, but Allison is there. Um, she tells Lucy that she has to leave. Uh, turns out she's um, just kind of hanging out at this photo shoot on her lunch break and. You know, everybody gets super mad at the office when the phones are ringing off the hook when she's late getting back from lunch. Um, Lucy. Um, Lucy Cabot, by the way, gives me. Oh. oh, go ahead. Oh, no. We have some serious lag happening. Uh, 
Hold on. Okay, now it seems like it's better. Stupid. Can you talk? I'm talking now. Do you hear me? Yes. All right. Um, Lucy Cabot reminds me a lot of uh, the executive lady in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's yes. Dead. <laughs> I'm right on top of that, Rose. <laughs> right on top of that, Rose. I used to work with somebody who said that all the time, and it was funny. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, Lucy offers uh, Allison what, what she calls a freelance opportunity, but really it's just staying, <coughs> staying late at work to do probably unpaid work. Uh, which is a that's a great way to uh, word that but you know it's so she sees that Allison really wants to go places so this is to help her get some work under her belt that's not just answering phones and making coffee and faxing and stuff which is nice Um, then we have a couple of minutes of filler it's a montage of bars and restaurants around LA and one thing that I noticed was that one of the last ones they showed was the hamburger shaped hamburger place from the first episode. So that was a fun moment. Um, and then we uh, get to Melrose place where Billy and Jake are watching baseball and Billy looks like he's in a wheelchair, but it's just a weird chair. Um, and you know, Jake does not actually seem that thrilled to be watching baseball. He talks about how, it doesn't matter how much of the game you miss because um, whenever you come back, nothing has happened. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Michael comes over and he has a letter for Billy and Billy doesn't even open it and read it. He just tears it in half because he can tell that it's a credit card rejection letter because there's no credit card in it. Uh, <laughs> this is so like 90, like this, th- this was like a little thing that really reminded me of how different the world used to be. Cause I don't, I don't think that people fill out, I don't know, like, do people fill out and mail in, like, credit card applications and then get rejection letters in the mail? Like, I feel like they just mail, I don't know, like, this feels like... I mean, they used a, to, like, I, I, all that stuff used to have to be done by mail, they... No, 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 that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, it's, does it anybody do that anymore? Oh, not anymore that was, no, I'm yeah. saying, like, this feels like one of those very 90s things. Yeah, no, these days you can, like, fill one out online and usually have an answer in 30 seconds, like, they don't even necessarily have to make you wait for an email, like, a lot of that stuff is automated now, they, you know, they have access to a lot of information about you via um, credit reporting agencies, and much of that can be done via machine now. Um, <laughs> and another thing that's very different um, is that it used to be kind of hard to get a credit card. Like sometime around the year 2000, uh, they started really trying to get people to take credit cards because they realized right. they could make a lot of money on quote bad clients right <laughs> well that's what i'm saying is like this the thing that feels particularly 90s and not current is that he gets a rejection letter yeah. i'm like does anybody really get rejected for a credit card anymore like our almost our whole economy is built on debt yeah. and financialization so it's just like you actually want people who are going to misuse the credit card to have it yeah. because then they're just going to go into debt and pay you forever yeah and this uh, really actually took me back um, because my life in the early 2000s was pretty tumultuous um, and it included um, a couple of pretty long stints of unemployment, which led to my declaring bankruptcy in 2005 um, with uh, $32,000 of credit card debt. So um, 
watching this episode was definitely um, uh, flashbacky for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Jake mentions that uh, Billy is actually lucky to be rejected because, uh, in his words, credit cards are like drugs. Um, And he'll talk more about the dangers of them later. Um, Meanwhile, Allison and Jane are out and about uh and they're on their way to get celebration drinks um wait what are they celebrating (laughs) um oh wait oh they're celebrating that That lucy said that allison yeah that lucy said that that allison because as they're walking across the street jane is like i'll be able to say i remember when i knew allison before they were like a like a big time advertising exec, like anybody's gonna give a shit. Yeah, um, like, like those are famous people or something. <laughs> like, yeah, like but yeah, like she's gonna be the next Donnie Deutsch, and who the hell beside? Like, raise your hand if you know who Donnie Deutsch is, right? Like, whatever. I don't exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's a, a sexy black dress in a window that Allison uh, spots, and. Um, Jane says that she would love to wear a dress like that once she loses the pregnancy weight. Oh my God. Okay. So this is like really fucking annoying this whole episode. Um, and they spin it in a weird way at the end about like what is actually bothering her, but to have Jane Mancini is the thinnest one of all the people on this show of, of thin people. Like Allison even says you are a rail, which is what we're all. Yes, exactly. And it's like, she is already it's just so bad that she is um that she's upset about this five pounds honestly i'm surprised she's out and about because that would have meant stepping off the scale for a couple of hours like come on (laughs) and i definitely was like okay here we go we're about to have like an eating an eating disorder episode or something Um, so Yeah, nothing, nothing like watching a bunch of thin people talk about how fat they are, right? Oh, yeah. it's the worst. Um, but luckily, they were out where and when they were because they hear a voice behind them. A handsome stranger at a table invites them to a marine biology lecture, <laughs> which I'm sorry, I have to laugh um, every time I hear marine biology because of Seinfeld. Um, because, you know, uh, George used to have these things about what, whenever he had to have a fake career for a lie that they were telling, people would always say, like, the one he chose was not realistic, like an architect or a marine biologist. And one time when he was pretending to be a marine biologist, there was a marine biology emergency near him, and his date expected <laughs> him to help. So anyway, marine biology cracks me up. Um, I When I was in elementary school, I wanted to be... And marine biologist. And honestly, I don't even know what I thought that was. I just really like dolphins a lot. (laughs) So I was like, that's what I want to be. But like, what the fuck is even a marine biologist? It feels like a very 90s job, too. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, the 90s were a different time for sure. Um, That voice was Keith Gray, a tall, handsome stranger who immediately begins some mutual eye fucking with Allison. They, they instantly just want each other so bad. So um, she says that she will definitely try to make it to this marine biology lecture, but you know for sure she's going to because she didn't have the guts to just um, ask for his number immediately, which is going to be a plot point later anyway. But um, <laughs> the next morning, um, 
Billy's on the phone with um, a credit reporting agency. Um, and I didn't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. He was on the phone with TRW, which is not now one of the three big agencies, but they still exist, but not as one of those credit report, reporting agencies of record like Experian and TransUnion and Equifax, but they do something. I, I did not dare click on their website. I didn't want to know. Um, but, you know, he's on hold again for the 90th time, and Allison invites him to that marine biology lecture, but he says he'll be working because he needs money, obviously. Uh, she had a credit card ever since college, which that's when I got my first one. Um, I applied on campus at a table, I think, uh, where somebody just was signing people up. Um, she keeps it for emergencies because it has 19.5% interest. That is bananas. Aren't they a lot lower these days for the most part? I That is like, that is like the, that is like your interest rate if your credit is literally trash garbage <laughs> um so i don't that i was like wow fuck that's an intense yeah. that's an intense interest rate <laughs> yeah. i guess credit card companies have gotten smarter about the fact that they need just about everybody to always use credit cards so they've lowered rates a lot probably is my guess well i mean rates have always i mean i'm sure at that time you could have gotten a lower rate that's what i'm saying though is that like that's the rate you get if you have, I guess, zero credit or, like, really trash credit. I'm sure there were people in the 90s who also had 4% yeah. interest rates or whatever. Well, and, y um, you know, uh, Allison is not really using her credit card correctly. Like, if you want to build your credit, you're not supposed to put it in a drawer and never use it. You're supposed to use it all the time and pay it off every month. And then that way your score goes up. So, come on, Allison, get with the credit program. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we're over for a moment at Aerobicision. Um, Jane stops in to talk to Rhonda. No, no, no. Sorry, this is actually still at Melrose Place. Jane stops by upstairs to talk to Rhonda about Cardio Funk. And Rhonda says that she will get her schedule and that her first class will be free, like a typical drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, over at the marine biology lecture, um, it turns out Matt came to the lecture with Allison um, because, once again, we need Matt to somehow be inserted, but not really part of the story. <laughs> um, yeah, Matt is just there to play the friend yeah. in this moment. And then I also was kind of like, why does Allison keep asking the dude friends to go with her to go to like go basically try to pick this guy up? Right. Like it makes more sense to take your lady friend, but whatever. Yeah, seriously, why not have um, you know uh, Jane, who was there when they met, come along? I mean, right. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, this week I made a list of uh, Melrose Place season one uh, knuckle tattoo ideas, and one of them was poor Matt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So anyway, after the um, lecture, uh, they're talking about going and talking to Keith. And there's like seven other women over there. And Allison doesn't think that she could possibly, you know, get any time with them. But Matt literally drags her by the arm over there <laughs> to, to do it. Um, and so, you know, she um, is so into the idea of... Uh, I don't think she has any real like 
ocean is beautiful and needs to be protected thoughts yet. I really just think she wants to hang out with Keith, but, um, she offers up, um, gratis services from Dungeons and Dragons advertising, um, which is funny because, you know, they then get into this awkward chat because he asked for a business card and she doesn't even have one. It's like, if you, if somebody told you that their advertising agency could help you, but then they don't have a business card from that advertising agency, that's just funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so then, uh, after a while of those two talking, Matt, like pushes her from behind because they're not involving him enough. Um, they invite Keith out for a drink. Um, and then oddly enough, the very next scene is at shooters and Matt is not there with them. So <laughs> yeah, Matt just magically disappears. Yeah, the, the disappearing and reappearing Matt, he's there when you need him and gone when you don't. What a guy. <laughs> um, so they're talking about clean oceans and um keith invites allison scuba diving (coughs) um at the leo carrillo reefs which i looked up it's a real place i thought for sure it was going to be made up but it's a real place um so yeah the next morning allison does meet him for scuba diving and she's super nervous but like she's beaming the whole time like you could count her teeth if you wanted to. Um, but they they put on this minimal amount of gear and walk into the water and have a nice little scuba montage where they're swimming together, holding hands. <laughs> I know. They're, like, holding hands under the water. It was so – it was really hilarious, yeah. this whole scene. I was like, this is uh, really hilarious. It seems like that would be kind of hard, like – when I swim, I use my hands to steer and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It does seem like it would be hard, especially I was like, as they were doing it, I was thinking, okay, I get it. This guy is an experienced scuba diver, but I would assume this is maybe Allison's first or one of only like a couple of, you know, Allison doesn't strike me as somebody who just goes scuba diving all the time. So I feel like it was a lot for her to be under there just cruising along, holding hands like a pro um, when this is probably not, you know, she's not, she, I just assume she's not that experienced of a scuba diver. I kind of wish that we were a big enough podcast that the people who were on the show would talk to us because I would love to like get courtney thornsmith to send us a voice memo about whether that was even really her in the underwater shots and if it was you know what that was like but that'll never happen (laughs) um i've been listening to too much delta flyers which is this new voyager podcast star trek voyager and they get everyone to give them all kinds of stuff which is great these people would never want to talk to us, Christopher, because all we ever do is talk shit about how terrible their show is. <laughs> well, they, they probably agree about season one, though. Like, we're 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 just telling the truth. I mean, <laughs> true, true. Um, you know, they come out of the water, and um, you know, Allison is just about to jump out of her skin. She's so excited and happy. And then she admits that she used to fantasize about being a mermaid because they were the most beautiful and elegant creatures. And he's like, yeah, they are. And then they kiss. 
<laughs> the the dialogue in some of these scenes in this episode i mean it's it's we've talked about this before melrose place dialogue what the fuck but yeah. the dialogue in some of this episode is so random and weird uh thankfully their kiss ends that scene and we get back over to melrose place uh we find billy trying to fix their answering machine um it turns out that it hasn't worked uh, for a couple of days, and there are some missed calls from recently that he hasn't heard the message from. Um, and then, of course, he's like, Allison, if I had a credit card, I could buy a new answering machine. <laughs> um, and, you know, Allison doesn't really want to talk about that yet because she's just had the most intense 24 hours of her life, her words. Um, but there's only one thing that bothers her about all this, and that's that she gave Keith her work and home numbers, but he didn't give her either one, which to me is a gigantic neon red flag. Um, (laughs) she, I don't know. I don't even know that I would have noticed that. Like, I I don't know. I, not this early on, Mm. like. If I gave somebody my number, I would, and they didn't give me theirs this early on, I would just assume, oh, they plan on calling me, and eventually I'll know their number. I don't know; it just doesn't seem like that big a deal to me. I was always more of a, a mutual exchange kind of person because, I mean, one thing that you could probably tell about me is that, like, I definitely wouldn't trust someone to remember to do something that they said to do. <laughs> Like, you know, I'm Dr. Calendar and Dr. Spreadsheet. Like, I just, right. I, I need a little bit of um, control. You're a control freak. Well, I'm not that much of a control freak, but I, cer- <laughs> I certainly like having resources at my disposal. I'll put it that way. I personally, uh, especially when it comes to dating, I think I prefer more of a mystery approach. Mm. Um, I like, I like shit to be exciting, nice. not so much like controllable or planable. I mean, which also is to say that I enjoy a bit of misery <laughs> <laughs> as well, because obviously it does bring some of that, but yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, like to experience the full range of emotions. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Allison, this cracked me up. She said, that she would buy a new phone machine tomorrow, which... Oh, yeah. Like, why would you call it that? Um, and this raised a question that I have for you. Did you ever have an answering machine? Yes. That's- yeah, I mean, I even in college, people still had landlines. I'm Even after... God, let's see. When I, I mean, first, when I moved into the dorms, I had my own answer. I mean, we obviously had one all growing up. And my parents actually still have one that they just, like, perpetually let answer their home phone. They refuse to answer their landline anymore. Um, but I let's I moved into the dorm in 1997, and I had an answering machine for my dorm landline when I moved into my own apartment. I mean, hell, even in, like, 2001, when I moved to Dallas and had my own apartment, I had um, a cordless phone. Remember those? Oh, yeah. uh, good times. And an answering machine. Um, and I actually didn't, I was one of the last people that I knew who got a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a techno person. So I was just like, my landline with my answering machine works great. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I spent uh, a good portion of my sort of early twenties having an, a landline and a, uh, an answering machine. See, for us, my family, we just never got an answering machine. We waited until voicemail on your phone was available, and we got that. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So you know, I never once in my life got to screen a phone call. Oh, <laughs> and it's so funny too because, like, speaking of screening phone calls, I um occasionally she doesn't really do it anymore, but occasionally, even within the la- this has been even within the last like five years, my mom would call and leave voicemails on my cell phone and be like, "Nan," and I'm like, "I cannot hear you." Oh. Like, you know how you used to call people and you'd just be like. Um, hello, I know you're there. Hello. Answer the phone. You know, like, uh, yeah. So this is <laughs> this isn't super relevant to the conversation, but you reminded me of when I had a beeper, and oh my god, yes, and, the stupid fucking beeper. And my beeper had voicemail, and I used to tell my partner at the time, like, if you just want me to call you back, please just type in your number, and it'll show on the beeper, and I know to call you back. If you leave a voicemail, I have to call the voicemail service and then call you. And so if the voicemail just says, hi, honey, please call me, you possibly wasted my last quarter (laughs) and I can't call you. Oh, my God. So do not leave me a voicemail unless it has actual information in it. God, beepers. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Beepers were so dumb. Yeah. But, you know, handy in their own way at the time i mean it's it was the technology we had at the time but they were also really stupid because my experience with my beeper was that my my i was in college and my parents gave it to me and my mom my mom is just like when she wants something she wants it and she just does not understand that i am actually a separate individual human doing all of my own things and so i would get these pages from her and i'd be like at dinner with a friend at a restaurant (laughs) I didn't have a cell phone and I wasn't near a payphone, So I'd be like, I will call her back when I'm done. And then I would get like, I remember one time walking into my dorm and the person I was, I knew like all the staff really well. And the person working the front desk was like, Oh, you need to call your mom. She called up here (laughs) (laughs) and was like, really? And apparently my mom like told them that they were, she was mad at me because I wasn't returning her pages. And I was just like, Oh my God, I fucking hate this pager. I want to throw it in the ocean. (laughs) Uh, Or at least, into the pool at Melrose Place. It, it was way more trouble than it was ever worth. It was so dumb. Uh, anyway, uh, over at a Robicision, this is when Jane shows up to a Robicision, and um, she looks at herself in the mirror, and instead of seeing her skinny self, she sees her very pregnant self that was not meant to be. And, you know, she she does that thing where she shakes her head and looks again and it's her regular reflection um you know so we're 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 getting the ham-fisted she has image issues and um you know we might be thinking that they might last longer than an episode but i don't think they're gonna anyway i don't either (laughs) so So uh, you know and you know in real life these are things that last for years and maybe with therapy things change but whatever it's a it's Melrose Place. Um, so she goes to talk to Rhonda. Um, she's been inspired by Madonna lifting weights and Linda Hamilton getting all buff for Terminator 2. Uh, Rhonda warns that this is an advanced class 
um, and then maybe she should start with some stretching instruction and some machines, but uh, Jane will not be dissuaded. Um, <laughs> and then that scene's over. Um, I hope that they film that in a real gym because if they have to assemble that that aerobicision set for just one short dumb thing like that, that doesn't seem worth it. Anyway, uh, the next morning, Melrose Place, Allison comes in for her morning coffee. Billy was probably up all night uh, working on the answering machine, and he got it to play the messages, which are from a mysterious woman named Mary Smith, who has been trying to get a hold of him. He thinks that she might be a woman he met at Shooters. Um <laughs> Which, once again, exchange numbers, people. Anyway, um, Allison is, like, totally excited to go to work today. Well, what I don't understand is, like, how how does he... I was like, how does he think it's a woman that he met at Shooters? Because, okay, I just... Walk me through this. Because, like, first of all... She gives her name on the answering machine, and he's like, I think this might be this woman. Okay, so did y'all not exchange even your names at the bar? Because, like, if if she was, if you exchanged names, then you would be definitively, like, right. this is the person that I met at Shooters. Like, like and also, who I, I just, the whole, that whole concept, like, to me, it's definitely just throwaway dialogue, whatever. I don't think you're supposed to think too hard about it, but it's actually really fucking stupid because it doesn't make sense well and we know from previous episodes that he's not much of a drinker like i would i would understand if he were the type to get really drunk when he goes out to like have vague memories of meeting somebody um but like when even when he said i want to be a drunk he couldn't get drunk and he gave away his drink right so because <laughs> right. billy sucks at everything <laughs> um but um, Allison, on the other hand, is super excited to get Monday going. She, you know, the going out with Keith and seeing his passion for his work uh, has gotten her excited about her own work. And then she starts to think that maybe she could, like, bring some of his vision to the advertising agency. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> yes, please do tell the owners of the ad agency where you answer the phones that they need to change their corporate vision. Like, that's great. Um, but anyway, she's out of there. Billy calls Mary, and it turns out that she's from a collection agency. And the reason that she was able to find him was because of his inquiry with TRW. Uh, they've been looking for him because he has a student loan to pay back. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so over at the mailbox, Jake is talking to Billy about that. And, you know, Jake has this whole spiel about what a nightmare this modern world is. Like if you, if you lose, if, if you don't pay your bill to GTE on time, then AT&T is going to know about it and whichever other uh, acronym companies he listed and everybody knows everything about you and blah 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 and you know he's had a rough 22 years already he's he's had bikes and houses that he's worked on repossessed already um sorry about that jake <laughs> over 
at D and uh, Allison comes to Lucy's office to talk to her about Ocean Alert, which is Keith's organization, and maybe they could hook him up with um, some corporate sponsorship. You know, there's some overlap with uh, that fitness client that they were working with earlier because they do swimwear. So good thinking there. Um, Claire comes in. Uh, we might remember Claire from, I think, the second episode. Uh, yes. Yeah, she was the office informant who told her about what's-his-face getting canned because of sexually harassing somebody besides Allison. <laughs> um, she has a message for Keith, uh, but he didn't – or sorry, from Keith, but he didn't leave his number, of course – and Lucy I just love how this not leaving the number thing like I started to get really curious like again I don't actually think it's that weird I mean I think okay (laughs) this is weirder than him not giving her the number in the first place but like to leave a message right and to not give a number is a little odd but this like dun 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 (laughs) what is he hiding like that's clearly where we're supposed to be going with it and we do learn later that he is hiding something but I just thought that this was like a really (laughs) awkward way to try to build suspicion yeah um and the thing that ends up being true about him is not the thing that i assumed based on the fact that he wouldn't give his number Ooh. um once we get to the real reason i'm curious what your reason is so don't forget it (laughs) i mean it's not like it was a good one because this is a silly thing to be suspicious about but anyway (laughs) Um, so uh previously lucy had mentioned opportunities for allison and here it is lucy invites Allison to stay late to do some work because, you know, they'll have to look over hundreds of photos or whatever uh, and they'll order Chinese food. And Allison agrees. Perfect. Uh, Over at the Crest Collection Agency, Billy shows up to talk to Mary and beg for mercy, which I think is super weird. I mean, she left her phone number um no indication at all that it was appropriate to show up at the office at all. No one does that. Like who go it's you get calls like that from a call center. Yeah. Like who goes down there? Those people, as far as I can tell, like it's not even clear that her job is to be his personal credit, like mentor or counselor or something. Like she just wants to get their money. Yeah. Um, And what are the odds it would even be in the same city? Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, so... And I also love how she's clearly made up to look kind of sexy. Um, that was a strange like top wearing... to wear in an office, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It's so funny. Anyway. Um, so here's what I hate most to think about this episode, is we find out that he owes money on a $2,000 loan plus interest, but we never hear how much the interest is. Is it $200? Is it... $2,000 like uh, right it, this is j- even worse than when Allison was thinking about selling Betsy <coughs> and they talked about the interest in the car deal but didn't say how much the payments were it's like th- give us some numbers please um, we did learn though that the do the loan was due on uh, September 1st 1991 and he explains that he hasn't been able to pay it back yet um, because between rents and food, he's always just barely squeaked by because of the economy, you know? 
like <laughs> yeah and actually it's funny now that we talk because he says like oh the economy tanked right after i graduated or yeah right around the time i was graduating and i was like wow okay that's like such an evergreen experience <laughs> apparently and like and you're right the early 90s we were in a recession yeah, I guess I was a little bit shielded from it being a college student in the early 90s myself. I mean, I was 13, but I just remember, I remember this. The, I was like a, I went through a period of time around that age where I was obsessed with watching the news. So I just remember that, I don't know, I didn't really understand totally what a recession was, but I knew we were in one because I watched a lot of news. See, my definitive... Uh, recession is the dot-com bomb of the late 90s because I was was working in recruitment advertising at the time and all of a sudden none of our clients were hiring anymore and we all got laid off for the most part so Mm, excuse me so that's what I remember Um, but anyway um, that and that's all we see of that conversation uh, we will see that he talks to Mary a few times before we finally get to something meaningful that they could have said right away. But anyway, uh, back at D&D, um, Keith actually shows up uh, to invite Allison to dinner that night at his house on the beach. And she agrees, even though she probably four minutes earlier <laughs> told Lucy that she would stay and work. Um, and then she, she goes over to Lucy's office to tell her about it. And, uh, Lucy is in a meeting, but Claire is there. So she tells Claire to tell Lucy that she's sick. And Claire makes this face like, (laughs) um, I can't believe you're like passing up this great opportunity kind of face. Right. Um, because Claire is probably the person who should be getting that opportunity because Claire is not the receptionist (laughs) um so it's it's like you know uh you're being allowed to do account service work and you're you're just gonna blow it off that's awesome and i i will not in a million years understand why allison didn't just say can we do dinner tomorrow that I thought that thought like during the episode I was like okay it is really outside of Allison's character to not I mean she's always been all about her career or whatever and she's always been this like really responsible one and I get at one point in the episode she says I just can't seem to tell him no to Billy like when she's getting ready to go on the date and um so I think we're supposed to believe that he just like is she's so attracted to him that she loses all sense of everything but yeah like in an in literally no one I don't know many people who would do this except for people who really just do not take their career seriously which is fine you don't have to take it seriously but like anyone who takes their career seriously i don't know anybody who would actually just be so attracted to somebody that they would just completely be like not suggest can we just do dinner tomorrow like you said like it's not hard to just say like i cannot tonight how about tomorrow night yeah it's super weird and what we call bad writing but (laughs) (laughs) that's what we call all of melrose place we're Melrose Place in it. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> back at Melrose Place, um, 
Allison and Billy are talking about money and she tells Billy what we're all thinking, which is that he should just borrow money from his damn parents. The ones who want to give him a cushy job anyway. Um, you know, they're, they're loaded. They have a place in Palm Springs. They own their own business. Um, they aren't employing any of their kids who would be making more than they're worth if they did employ them. So a little loan should not matter. But anyway, uh, Allison rightly says that if he screws up his credit, it will really screw up his whole life. Um, Billy changes the subject and asks if she's going to sleep with Keith. And that's when we find out that Allison has only had sex twice before the first time we heard about, which was, um, the uncomfortable sounding encounter in Betsy's back seats. And she also did it with a college professor. <laughs> I love it when Billy goes, you did it for a grade. <laughs> totally. And apparently not. Apparently it was not her professor or something, but you know, we get this little, um, amateur world building about how he was, a blowhard and a misogynist and an alcoholic or whatever. And uh, all we really need to know is that she had sex another time. Um, Billy pulls out a condom for her to take and it's just so controversial. Like her face is like, <laughs> like very silly to me. Um, Cause to <laughs> Allison just seems like the kind of person who would have some like just in case. She seemed. Oh, would have condoms. Yeah, she seems prepared to me. Wait. I don't know though, because like it's it also seems like from this exchange, like maybe, <clears throat> and this definitely kind of jives with her personality. She just doesn't have sex. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but she does take it, um, which is great. Um, so we're over at uh, Keith's beach house. Um, they're telling stories. Uh, she asks what his uh, scariest moment ever was. And he saw a great white shark while surfing. Um, and he's like, that's really the only time I ever wasn't like 100% on my A game or something weird like that. That was weird. Um, but he asks her what her most scary moment was. And she says, hmm, now... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so silly and then he's just like she says is that like something like is that silly or something and he's oh you're just more honest or whatever <laughs> um and then they start like you know holding hands yeah. and being all cute and then they go inside and there's a huge fire roaring which is funny to me because like does that mean that when she got there she wasn't allowed to come inside like she had to wait at the table outside the whole time or did he did he turn it did he light it when he went in to get the dinner and bring it out it's just funny because it's actually really hard to get a fire going and keep it going at a at a nice pace like so i love that it was absolutely perfect when they walk in and right you know it's great um so they start making out um and uh, Allison um, pumps the brakes a little bit and says that she needs to ask his sexual history, um, <laughs> which I, I just love that how transactional it is. Like, you know, 
it, it seems like there's a hotter way to ask that. Like, but Allison's not hot and heavy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I um uh, like I was not having sex during this period of time. Um, but I definitely remember the you know the rhetoric about like you need to ask your partners like sexual history. Um, by the time I started having sex, I mean, it's not like HIV's ever gone away, but it's just, you know, um, I think people were treating it differently. And also just, we, we just were using, I don't know, like to me, I'm like, is this really how people did it? Like you're getting ready to have sex and you're like, okay, wait, hold on. Um, Let me get my clipboard. before we do this. <laughs> Um, I need to know your whole sexual history. That's literally how she says it too. And I'm like the whole thing, like yeah. what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up HIV too, because it makes me think back to all of the, all of the ads around the time for, um, safe sex, condoms, HIV. They were all always, you know, heterosexual people in them, which, um, I think really kind of missed the mark, um, for what the, the funding that the that paid for those ads should have been spent on but um anyway we know better now uh so the best part my favorite part probably of this whole episode um you know he explains that he um has been tested and then he just came out of a long-term relationship and he asks if she has any more questions and she pulls out the rubber and she says yeah how do you look in this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which uh it's hilarious because you know it's one of those things where it's not for looks it's a it's a completely utilitarian uh garment <laughs> and um oh that just reminded me of a recommendation that i'm going to make a note of for later um if i can remember the name of it um damn it what's it called um so anyway uh it's the next morning and already i'm like what are you still doing there you need to go to work (laughs) um they're on the deck um she's wearing his shirt of course i believe it's tuesday morning um she asks you know what i think should have probably been discussed sooner which is like so how long are you going to be around and he reassures her that he's not going anywhere as long as his grant money holds um and you know she says that she needs to leave to get to work um and you know she goes inside and seductively takes off his shirt to give back to him and i'm pretty sure they do it again or at least do something um i don't think she does a tease and leave um but and maybe he has condoms who knows but <laughs> i mean he probably does yeah. like yeah yeah uh, although you know later well we'll get into it later but uh, so back at melrose place um billy finds allison's bed unmade um dr michael shows up to um, show Allison his new eco-friendly pool chemicals, which I'm curious how that happened so quickly because it seems like when would she have talked to him about it and where would he have gotten Yeah, them? like she just met him. She just like, and yeah, yeah, and he, they would have had to talk to him about it and also go get them. And like, is he really gonna just 
throw out the old pool chemicals before using these pool chemicals. Like, ugh. but anyway, um, really, this just the only reason it happened is because we had to have a scene where Dr. Michael talks about money. So um, they're talking about um, it being weird for Allison to be seeing somebody and Jake's like, well, you two are just friends, right? And we're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Jake pops out to um, talk to Billy about the loan um, that he owes on. And Dr. Michael starts to get really mad because supposedly he couldn't get a student loan because people were defaulting on student loans. That is not real. Yeah. That is not a real thing. Yeah. That is not real, Dr. Michael Mancini. What a liar. Like, like if he was, I'll he might have been turned down for a loan, but it probably was the reason given was probably not. Oh, I'm sorry, other people aren't paying theirs back, and there's no more money. I mean, that's like Taylor's oldest loans, yeah. and people still get loans. Yeah. Like it's just so it's that is banana that is bananas. And then he says that like that he says that the economy is in the pooper because of people like Billy not paying their loans back, right. which I think is also not true. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what drove the early nineties recession, but something tells me that the problem was not actually people not paying their student loans back. Um, yeah. is not the thing that caused the recession or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is like, Michael and that's it that was one of those moments where I was like oh my god this is giving me like huge after school special vibes because I feel like this is basically somebody is trying to get this message this personal responsibility and like it's all your fault for being irresponsible people message out to the audience like this is not just a plot point you know what I mean like it felt very propagandistic you're not just going to ruin your own credit but you're going to put the country in danger yeah it was so weird uh anyway um back over at uh dungeons and dragons um allison comes running into work and you know it's like super hectic because people phones are ringing back um and you know everybody hates that um Lucy walks in right after her and she is absolutely pissed because Allison was two hours late today and she bailed on their project the night before. And then she tells her to be an hour early the next morning, which um, I thought that was super weird. Like, what is she going to do there an hour before her shift starts? Well, like, I think Lucy is going to also be there an hour early and then they're going to look at the photos. But to me, I just think Lucy probably should have just looked at all the photos already. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think um, having Allison around should delay the project, right? Like, <laughs> Right. Because she's only doing it really to kind of be, to like do a favor for Allison. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So that when Allison learns about a job somewhere else that she wants to apply for <laughs> and leave, oh, maybe this is like a long con for Lucy, maybe she doesn't like Allison and she wants her to find something somewhere else and then crush her in competition later at uh, RFPs. Anyway, who knows? That got really intense (laughs) and is 
you know, more exciting than anything that's ever going to happen on this show. God, maybe we should have written for this show. <laughs> oh, my God. Anything would be better than this. <laughs> so over at Shooters, the only place to hang out, um, Allison and Jane, I think they're eating dinner after work. Or at least Allison is eating um, while talking about Keith. And she um, she tells Jane that it's her first great sexual experience. And she thinks that it was so great because she really cares about Keith. So are we to think that perhaps Keith is the one? I don't know. But uh, Allison is not thinking in terms of marriage because she's afraid of turning out like her parents. Like, um, that's just weird. Like, has she never met married people who aren't like her parents? Like, I mean, but this is really common, though. I mean, it that is like... I, I agree with you. I think it's kind of silly. I think what we turn out like is kind of somewhat in in this regard. Like, I also do not want a marriage that looks like my parents' marriage. They seem okay with it. So it's not, I'm not, no judgment necessarily, but just like, and so I just made sure that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, you just, you just like, but I also think that it's really common. Like, I've had a lot of people um that i know that i think would be great parents for instance be like oh i don't want to have kids i don't want to be like my parents it's like okay well then don't be like your fucking parents i don't know what to tell you like you you should get comfortable admitting you just don't want kids if you don't want kids like myself (laughs) like you you don't need to make up anything about um anybody else's parenting um uh anyway allison whips out that black dress that she wanted and she put it on her credit card um mainly so that we can talk about credit cards again um so obviously allison is like you know super head over heels because that credit card's for emergencies only um (laughs) also she's gonna be paying a shit ton of interest on that dress good lord yeah and shouldn't she have just gone and pulled a Rhonda and taken a dress from couture? <laughs> like, I know it's not, I know it's not the black dress, but I'm sure Jane has something for her to take advantage of. Um, anyway, she notices that Jane is not eating and she calls her out on it. And Jane says, um, it's because she's getting into her new fitness routine. And as everybody supposedly knows, exercise makes you less hungry. And thankfully, Allison says, I think it's the other way around. I think you get hungrier. Um, but anyway, uh, we can see the misery on Jane's face because everyone knows that dieting makes you absolutely miserable. Um, well, but I think that, I mean, we learn later there's other things yeah. that have got her upset, which is super weird, by the way, <laughs> the way they connect these two things. Yeah. But, um, uh yeah i yes so over at uh campbell and sons furniture which um you know billy's dad said he was going to change the name and he hasn't yet so i don't know if they just didn't want to um pay for a different sign and more b-roll footage or if if his dad just hasn't gotten around to it yet who knows time means nothing on this show um Billy's mom is there. Um, he comes in to, and asks about his dad, and um, he's out to lunch. She's there doing the books, which I take it to mean she shows up to 
the store once a month, probably. Um, Billy asks for money to pay back his loan, which is a big surprise to her because she says, we paid for your college. Like, why do you have a loan? And he says he took out a loan because he wanted to have fun like his friends who had jobs. Oh, my God. Billy is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, all of my friends had jobs, so they had spending money, whereas I worked for free at the school paper. I'm like, okay. Well. uh, Uh, Billy is the worst. Yeah. And once again, we hear the whole 2000 plus interest thing. We don't know how much the interest is. And we don't hear anything more about the status of this request until later. But uh, back over uh, at Keith's on the beach, uh, Allison shows up in that dress with groceries to make dinner. And Keith is uh, yelling on the phone, obviously with an ex. Um, and when he hangs up, he admits that it's his wife. Um <laughs> And so Allison just storms out and, you know, stomps her way down the beach. Um, and Keith comes out to explain the situation. He is mad because his wife is a lobbyist and he she's always in D.C. And he's only seen her twice in the last four months. But I don't get how this is an issue because he moves around for work, too. Like, he doesn't live in L.A. He's there for a job so right it's weird i i guess he's supposed she's just supposed to be where he is um but he says that he feels his marriage is over but he hasn't actually had that talk with lily yet which i hate like it's fine if you want to end your marriage but you should probably actually end it before treating it like it's over um especially if you're going to be roping poor naive inexperienced allison into it (laughs) Um, but he finally offers his number as a little consolation prize, (laughs) but she leaves. But the funny thing is, is like, none of this explains why he didn't give her. So we're supposed to read into the not giving her his number thing as meaning something. And this does not actually explain that because his wife is not there. It's not like his wife is there to answer the phone. So there is no reason like this does not connect to that in any way like when he like um so when he wouldn't give her his number and then there was that that part where he's like oh this isn't this isn't my house like it's a donor's house and i'm just here as long as the grant like i thought what was going to happen was he was going to disappear um on her which still wouldn't totally explain the not giving the number thing but would be like okay he's like this you know rambling person that you know fly by night kind of guy um but the being married thing is like why wouldn't you give her a number it doesn't make those two things do not feel connected to me yeah. in any way um i i guess maybe so i don't know that like maybe lily is gonna come back from a, a little lobbying tour and be there at some point um I just feel like if you have to think about it that hard to connect the dots and it's bad, yeah. you know, like if it's, it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, later that night, um, Allison is in that robe sulking on the couch. Uh, she doesn't have any ice cream or a giant wooden spoon, but instead Billy brings out hot chocolate. Um, 
and he explains that whipped cream on hot chocolate is good, but sometimes it goes sour. Um, I don't understand that. But um, he, Me neither. he says that chocolate is a substitute for love, and so she should drink some. And she's like, maybe I should drown myself in it. Um, which is weird. Um, and I've never heard that. I have heard that chocolate is a substitute for sex. Um, I mean, this is the 90s, so maybe, like, love was supposed to be a euphemism because they couldn't say sex on TV. Right. That, <laughs> either way, it's Like, bad. things were still kind of prudish, yeah. you know, culturally back then. Yeah, you know, I will admit I was kind of um, surprised back at the beach house how much of the uh, inner curve of Allison's boob we saw when she was taking off Keith's shirt. Like... I, I, Same. I was not ever expecting to see that much of Allison's boob under any circumstances, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you know, Allison has her little monologue about um, you know when she was with Keith, she was just crazy about him, and the rest of her life just didn't matter at all. Like she was had a singular focus, which makes sense. Uh, considering the way she blew off her job. Um, but now she's afraid that um, there's never going to be anybody else that she'll feel that way about. And I've, I'm kind of thinking, like, good, because um, you need a partner in life, not someone who's going to make you bail on everything that's important to you. But... <laughs> But the thing is, like, he's not doing that. She's doing that to herself. She never tells him any of this stuff. Right. She just doesn't do her shit. Yeah. Um, I will say, in in her defense, I do remember how easy it was to fall drastically in love in my early 20s. Um, but I still went to work. <laughs> I mean, I made a lot of bad decisions, but I also didn't give a fucking shit about my career at that point. So I feel like me and Allison are not comparable mm -hmm. because I was a party person. Right. So like, yeah, I made different decisions than the ones I would expect Allison to make. Not expecting like I have high expectations of Allison. It's just, that's not her character, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. So I can have compassion. I just, I just still don't totally understand it because yeah, I did that shit all the time, but I also was like, not really trying to go anywhere real fast, you know? Yeah. You know, I just had a thought, like, couldn't this episode have been about Rhonda <laughs> instead of Allison? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it would have made more sense to me. But anyway, um, over at Shea Mancini, we find Jane on the scale uh, where she's probably been every time she's not on screen. Uh, and that's when she learns that she has lost that five pounds um but she doesn't feel any better of course because it's five pounds um but it turns out that you know she was dealing with feelings about the miscarriage and not about her weight specifically right she thought that this would make her feel i guess back to her old self and not like be upset about the miscarriage like miscarriage closure as it were um <laughs> and then michael is like you're you like it's it's normal like i'm still 
upset. I'm really short with people. Um, <laughs> and she's like, you, no way. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and then he's like, and it takes a while for your body to heal. Like, you're a person or whatever. Um, yeah, they it's, it's kind of just like a weird wrap up. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, she was upset about her weight because she thought that, because she was associating that with her miscarriage, so she lost weight, but she's still upset about the miscarriage, and that's okay, that's normal, and the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just she's so thin. She never looked at all like... I mean, maybe maybe with as thin as she was, five pounds would stick out, but we didn't see it. Anyway, I hate weight talk. I hate diet talk. I shouldn't even engage. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> so uh, back at Allison and Billy's, Allison is moping at the kitchen table. Um, she didn't sleep all night. Um Billy is heading out to go back to um, Crest Credit Agency to take care of this money problem. And this is when he says that Billy's mom offered him a loan, but he said no. And I don't understand that because he went over there specifically to ask his mom for money. Yeah. And she said yes, and he said no thanks. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. The only thing that I can think of is that maybe he showed up to ask his parents to give him money and when billy's mom said he would that she would loan it to him that's not what he wanted so he said no it it's still dumb though because like when if he took their loan he could like let's face it i mean it depends on your family but like a family loan you know, I mean, you can take a long time to pay them back. Or probably never. not going to pay much interest. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's 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 better than an actual formal loan with an agency. Let's just put it for that way. For sure. And in no universe does it make sense for him to say no. Um, and, you know, obviously the writers knew this because that's why they didn't show him and his mom talking about it. Because it wouldn't make any sense. So... They just skimmed over the why. Um, but he mentions that money is so hard for him that he's thinking about moving back home. And that's when Allison suggests maybe getting a cash advance from her credit card, which is the worst possible of all the ideas available to them. If you were not going to take the loan from your parents and you did that, then you would literally be the stupidest human that ever lived. Seriously. And I would have to stop watching this show immediately. <laughs> like... That because that would be really fucking dumb. Yeah, but that's when Billy has his you know I'm a man moment, and he says, "I just got to get out of this on my own." Like okay, so he shows up back at CCA. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I forgot to turn off my my phone text alert, and it just made a big noise. I'm gonna turn it down real quick. It wasn't that loud, honestly. <laughs> All right, it's off now. Um, so Billy shows up to talk to Mary about possibly paying in installments, which she says she would have offered previously if he hadn't have left. So I don't understand this at all. Like, how did he talk to her t like 
in person and on the phone and <laughs> never get around to the idea of pay- paying her back. All she wants is to be paid back. <laughs> and it's just, and at some point in the episode, he told his friends, I need to pay it all back immediately, all of it. And like, how did you know that if you never got around to talking about like what payback? looks like yeah and if you did get around to talking about that then she would have explained this so none of that makes sense yeah and that's just how paying stuff back always works (laughs) so stupid like i get that we're supposed to understand that billy is dumb and doesn't and is like has been sheltered all his life like clearly part of the long ongoing message of billy's character is that he does not know how to be an adult However, like what, like what, like, first of all, how did they have that whole, like, yeah, like, why wouldn't she just be like, hey, wait, but you can pay it back and install it. Yeah. I just, nothing about, <laughs> nothing about this storyline makes any fucking sense. Yeah. Like he should have even just known that he could pay it in installments because that's how it always works like the first thing that i would have said in the meeting would be can i pay it back in installments (laughs) like is there a plan like why did he go there in the first place (laughs) i don't know (laughs) did he just think that maybe he could like bat his eyes and get her to like wipe it away i have no idea maybe he thought like he would have some kind of sexual chemistry with her like he always does in the cab. Oh, this is bad. So, any... I don't know, but I just want to say that, like, so this morning over breakfast, I was telling Sean about this. I was like, this show is so dumb. Let me tell you, this one storyline on this week's episode is literally, like, when you get down to it, this storyline, it's like, there's a whole storyline about somebody's student loan debt. And... (laughs) how they need to pay that off if they hope to get a credit card at some point Mm. that is what we were literally dealing with here like and yes the dialogue is bananas but i just want to zoom out a little bit and be like (laughs) can can you even imagine that somebody thought that this could be a storyline um so yeah well and it is weird because usually these shows have two storylines and this one has three and you know um, as much as I'm grateful that they didn't expand Jane's to be larger. Um... <laughs> Except it's weird because like, let's be honest, if you were a writer, Jane's storyline is at least more, it's juicier. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want to talk about eating disorders either, but fuck it. That's a, that's a thing people talk about. It's a dramatic thing for a TV show arc problems abound but just from a sheer drama standpoint they also chose to make this fucking student loan debt (laughs) storyline more of a focus than the actual juicier storyline of jane's miscarriage and her eating disorder or what her mini eating disorder her little moment of like eating disorder to control her feelings about her miscarriage can you imagine (laughs) Like, yes, I'm with you. I don't want that to even be a thing that we talk about. But, like, if you were a writer, what would you focus on? Well, I would focus on Jane, and I would make it last three episodes so that she has, like, in the first episode, it would be like this one. Like, we start seeing little hints about it. But then in the second episode, it would get really bad. And in the third episode of the arc, 
she would go into therapy and then the therapist would become one of the cool new characters on the show like i mean exactly and instead they treat it as a throwaway and we get all of this billy navigating i swear to god like who nobody wants to watch anybody deal with their debt problem in a relatively like yes kind of stupid and and nonsensical but also just like boring way it's not like billy decided to rob a bank to pay back his student loan like he just went down and figured out how to get an installment plan like after (laughs) (laughs) several dumb tries anyway it's so stupid oh and then he wraps up the scene in the worst possible way where he grabs a novel off of her desk and he says you know someday you'll be reading my book and on the back it'll say billy whatever (laughs) paid back his loan responsibly and uh uh and, yeah. and she just like stops him like please leave the office <laughs> yeah he goes with his job as a taxi cab driver and because at some point she gives him the speech about being an adult right like at some point you just have to grow up and get a job and then he says like oh maybe i guess i'll have to get a second job and she's like it won't kill you you know she's just sort of like has no sympathy for him she's just like yeah dude you have to pay your loan like whatever get a second job i don't care and then he says this so such an awkward thing to say it's just so weird well and it's funny because like imagine how much headway he could have made on this loan if he took that $25 a week that he made from that column and paid a hundred dollars a month on the loan. Like (laughs) clearly he's just not thinking. (laughs) He doesn't want to pay it. That's really the, I mean, at the end of the day, Billy is not the kind of person who wants to pay his loan. He took out a loan so he could party for God's sake. I mean, you know, Oh, Billy. (laughs) Well, Thankfully, this is the last we hear about that storyline. Over in Lucy's office, Allison comes in to talk to Lucy, who is super disappointed with her. And she's mad because she didn't come in at 730 to go over the proofs like she was supposed to. And Allison explains that she has had some intense personal problems. And um, if I were Allison, I would have just stopped right there. but she decided to admit that it's all about a guy (laughs) and it got messy and it's over now. And then of course, Claire comes in with a message from Keith. So I guess it's not really over, is it? (laughs) But um, Lucy does seem a little bit sympathetic, which is good, I guess, because obviously she's going to be. Yeah. Cause I would have been like, why are we talking about this? (laughs) I was just like, I need to elevate you so that you qualify for a job somewhere else let's let's work on your portfolio anyway (laughs) um back over at keith's he's like slaving away over paperwork because you know for someone like him the passion really lies you know in the water and probably with taking samples and get taking pictures and stuff and when he has to fill out the forms he just can't take it but um he spies allison walking up the beach Um, And she says that she doesn't know what she's doing there. Um, She just can't break up a marriage. But he says that he knows that the marriage is not going to work out. And then they hug. And then they kiss. And then the episode is thankfully over. (laughs) 
Yay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, neat. Are we going to? I feel like, I mean, we are going to get more of Keith in the next episode at the very least. So that's fun. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. Um, so talking about condoms and how he would look in one gave me a recommendation for this episode. Have you ever seen the movie Skin Deep starring John Ritter? I have not. So it's from 1989, and it's it's a weird movie about his character's womanizing ways. Um, but there's a really good scene where he comes out to have sex wearing a glow-in-the-dark condom, and it's pitch black in the room, and all you see is the condom floating around. And then somebody else shows up, and he also wears a glow-in-the-dark condom and then there ends up being a glow-in-the-dark condom fight <laughs> so so that's a fun movie at least that part was funny i probably should have watched it again before i mentioned its name because it could be terrible who knows um but skin deep 1989 john ritter um anyway cool yeah so um we have a little bit of covid catch-em-ups to do um What's been happening in your um, sheltering in place world over the last couple of weeks? Um, I mean, nothing really. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's to catch up on? It's just being here at the house, mm. doing my job. My job is not exciting. Mm. Well, I had some excitement. Uh, the last time I talked about my um, my stock tank pool. Um, last thursday i was getting out of it and about to put the cover on when a huge um dog emerged from the overgrown hill behind our house and came charging at me barking and i was like i do not want to be mauled to death wearing a stars and stripes speedo um, <laughs> thankfully I keep the stock tank pretty close to the door and I managed to get to the door and open it and close it before he got to me. Um, weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure if he would have actually attacked me, but when a dog is coming at you barking like crazy, you just don't know. So, um, I wasn't able to go into my backyard for a couple of days. Um, finally I was able to track down the owner of the house that's on the next street over down there. And, like, I can't believe this dog was doing this because, like, it's – we're, like, a whole house's height higher than the property behind us. And this hillside is just overgrown and stuff. Um, but it turns out uh, this property owner did a lot of trimming back of the sticker bushes that, I guess, previously stopped this dog from leaving the backyard. Um, and it's not his dog. He has a renter in the house. So – uh, he came over and cleaned up the dog shit in my yard and he was very apologetic and he said he'd be getting a fence up, but in the meantime, uh, the dog would for sure be secured, but we went ahead and put up some fencing in the back of our yard anyway. Um, yeah, I can't, I, I would not want to have a backyard that wasn't fenced, even if I didn't have an animal, which we do, which I also am curious as to like why this person was leaving their dog outside with no fenced yard. That is also super irritating to me, yeah, but, totally. um, well, and, uh, I did see the ha the dog yeah. in the house when I went over there I, and talked to them about it. Like, apparently the dog has indoor outdoor access when it's alone. I still hate it, but <laughs> and just a dog running rampant and barking at people is just annoying. 
Um, and I was not the only person. Well, to it's call bad it for the dog. Yeah. <laughs> like I hate to be that person, but <laughs> fuck people. But it's not good for dogs that to just be able to roam around. They can get hit by cars. They can get like whatever. It's yeah, not good. Totally. It's not good for them. Yeah, and I'm surprised nothing worse has happened to this dog because it has been out uh, causing trouble elsewhere. But hopefully, um, thanks to the situation escalating as far as it did and me talking to the property owner, hopefully it's safe and sound where it belongs. Um, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and I finally got my first COVID-era haircut. Garrett shaved the sides in the back of my head for me. Oh yeah, I saw the pictures. It looks good. Thanks. Yeah. My hair is just getting long. Right on. You should see if um, Sean can French braid it for you. Uh no, <laughs> that is definitely not ever gonna happen. <laughs> um, yeah. And then my only other news is yesterday I went to my first COVID era wedding, which I cannot wait to see the pictures of everybody in masks because that's bizarre to think about. Is People did have, uh, for the photo session with the actual photographer, they had unmasked moments, but all the uh, candid crowd shots are going to be very uh, 2020. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know why anybody would fuck with having a wedding right now. I mean, I not... So some the friends of mine that I was telling you about earlier who had to cancel their wedding did end up um eloping and doing like a video you know just justice of the peace um wedding so they were at home and they got cute and they like had the jp marry them you know uh via video conference and took pictures and posted on the internet and they were like we'll have like a real wedding eventually but we wanted to be married but like yeah why you would fuck with even trying to have the whole shindig right now yeah believe you i have me, no idea i will be watching over the next couple of weeks for notices about people getting sick like i'm just like oh god because we skipped the reception for that very reason but anyway. yeah it's just like nobody needs to be married that bad i'm sorry <laughs> and if you do for legal reasons then like i said yeah. go to a judge for sure <laughs> um yeah so anyway uh thanks everyone for joining us for yet another exciting installment of melrose sheltering in place oh my god um, i just don't even yeah I, I can't wait to see what trouble billy and the gang gets into next time oh yeah and we had no sandy this episode that's right like none yeah i noticed i thought about it as the ep as the credits were rolling i was like wait a minute there was not even nothing yeah. like they usually try to shoehorn everybody in at least like a little bit but and you would think that um even if the character is not going to appear at all they could have a throwaway line about her getting a gig and being at a shoot or something but you know i don't want to have too high expectations for the writing so i guess i'll just stop there <laughs> i mean good point <laughs> uh yeah so um, looking forward to seeing Sandy again. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you would like to talk to us about Melrose Place for some reason, like maybe uh, this episode was one of your favorites ever, um, and you want to tell us why we're wrong, um, you should get a hold of us on Instagram, where Nan is at Nanarchist, and I'm at Xtofer575. 
um, because Instagram is one of the last great social networking apps and it's not even that great. <laughs> yeah. It's also starting to really get on my nerves, yeah. but I really mostly only like whatever. Tumblr. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and Tumblr is every time they try to improve it, they screw it up so bad. But anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the internet. Yep. All right. Well, thanks very much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.